Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, the web-only sports show from RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. In this episode, it's been a tumultuous week in rugby league. Players stood down for using prescription drugs, and one of them now on medical leave. Parramatta stripped of NRL points for breaching the salary cap. And the Kiwis and Kangaroos prepared to do battle for the number one world ranking. One of our most experienced equestrians pulls out of a major event as he feels he's not fit enough. And some of our top Olympians prepare for their final lead-in to Rio. Last week, a half a dozen Warriors players were stripped of selection for an NRL game for breaching team protocols following a night out. The Warriors then went on to beat the Dragons. It was then revealed that some of those players had also been using a cocktail of sleeping pills and energy drinks. New Zealand Rugby League confirmed that those players would not be available for national duty this week, including the game between the Kiwis and the Kangaroos. I spoke with former Kiwis and Warriors coach Frank Endicott and asked him about the players having to sit out games. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that the two parties, the Warriors and the Kiwi uh, uh, bosses, are talking to um, because uh, Stephen Kearney is obviously bought into that decision that Jim Doyle has made to stand these players down. Uh, Stephen's very strong on team culture and discipline, um, and he would uh, he would definitely go along with that decision. So, yeah, I, I support them. It's not a bit heavy-handed, is it? No, it's not. I mean, when when you know when the the, the worries have been playing um, as ordinary as they have been, I think that um, the coach had to rattle the cage, and uh, I thought it was a very brave decision that he made, uh, and it's come out and, and paid off for him. And uh, the players that took the play uh, the place of the six um, suspended players certainly did their job. Um, so uh, I think it's a win-win all around, and I'm sure these six players won't make that decision uh, the wrong decision again. Uh, of course, with with the run that they had and, and what subsequently has happened, there was a, the term that a bit of a culture at the Warriors has sort of continued. Uh, would you want to comment on such a thing? I think that this decision from um, the coach will actually help the culture uh, in the Warriors. And uh, and I know Jim Doyle's very strong on culture, and uh, he, he, he's played his part in this also. So uh, I think only good can come out of it. I think um, something had to happen. Uh, it did happen, and we got a good result on the end of it. So, um, you know, I think uh, the coach and uh, and the CEO at the Warriors, Jim Doyle, have come out on top. As a coach yourself, though, you may have a soft spot for them, but, I mean, obviously McFadden had to do something because, you know, uh, his neck was sort of starting to fall on the block a bit as well. Oh, look, there's no doubt um, uh, McFadden's been under uh, heavy pressure, um, you know, with a lot of critics saying that he should get the chop. Um, so he was in a no-win situation, really, and uh, he did what he had to do. And uh, I actually came out and applauded him when he made that decision. Um, and um, and the players that took the place of those six come out and did the job, and did the job great. So, uh, you know, he's uh, he's come out with flying colours on this. 
So what what would you think they should do now? Do they carry on or, you know, they've had a match suspension and they come back now? Or, you know, what's the next step perhaps for the Warriors to get back in winning ways? Yeah, well, it's going to be very interesting as to the selection of the next Warriors side to play the Penrith Panthers here in Christchurch um, on May the 14th, I think it is. So, you know, it's going to be a huge decision whether he sticks with that team that just beat um, St George and beat them well. Um, and we just all go back to those six players that were suspended and uh, and bring them back in. I think he'll stick basically with the team that beat St George, um, but there were a couple of injuries uh, in the game, and he might be able to slip two of those six players in and um, and uh, do it that way. But uh, I think he'll basically stick with the side that, that got the result for him and showed him the attitude that he wants as a coach. Frank Endicott. So on the issue of abuse of prescription drugs and energy drinks, which some of the Warriors players were involved in, we went to Sports Free Drug New Zealand boss Graham Steele. Morning Report's Guy Espiner asked Steele what his organisation's role was in this and whether they'd spoken to the Warriors. We've had some communication with the Warriors Limited. Uh, we wanted to be clear that any drugs involved were not uh, on our prohibited list and, and they've clarified that for us. Okay, so we're not dealing with an illegal situation here, but do you have concerns about the action of the players? We do, because what what has happened does not appear to be in breach of, of the rules that, that we are responsible for. But one of the key things that we take responsibility for or try to influence is the behavioural characteristics of of athletes, and in particular elite-level athletes. Um, and, and this kind of behaviour, I suppose, suggests to us that these players are a shorter step from, from breaking our rules than, than we would prefer. Mm. Can uh, I break I mean, the two things um, up for a second, um, the energy drinks and, and the drugs? Do you have concern that energy drinks can be abused? Well, we do, and, and there, are, there, are, there are medical issues and, and, and comments which um, are probably not for me to make, but um, any time that a player is, is using a combination of drinks which we know to be mind-altering, for one of in a layman's phrase, uh, then that's clearly a concern. I've looked this morning at the principal spo- uh, sponsors of the Warriors and who sponsors the Warriors. Red Bull is a major sponsor of the Warriors. Well, exactly that. And, and look, uh, Red Bull is not prohibited and, and um, players are therefore free to use it, but the way these players have uh, combined it seemingly with, with other uh, prescription drugs leads to uh, a mindset which, which is not what we want in players. And, and I guess the other thing that the Warriors would be very concerned about is the fact that recently the Warriors have been advertising extensively on television about their role in schools and how their players are going into schools and presenting themselves as, I guess, role models as to how professional athletes behave and, and how kids should behave. Mm. And it's going to be very hard for these players to look kids in the eye with that kind of message. Your drug-free sport New Zealand, um, Woodstock is also uh, a sponsor of the Warriors. They make the you know the ready to mix, uh, ready to drink mixed drinks. Yes. Uh, does that concern you? Well, uh, not our organisation. Again, alcohol is not prohibited for for um, rugby league players. And, it's and a drug, though, isn't be... it? <laughs> I'm sorry. It is a drug, though, isn't it? Well, well, it, well, it is. Um, but we need to be careful about where our responsibilities start and finish, and not step too far and outside that. But as I say, what I guess the, the pre key issue for us is the behaviour characteristics that people that these athletes are prepared to, in a way which presumably they, they felt they wouldn't be caught.
use drugs that they know are wrong. And so what do you think of the way that the Warriors has handled this? Well, I'm not sure of all the detail of how they've handled it, but we've seen publicly that the players have been uh, dropped from their own team's play and also from their international play, which are, I, I would imagine they would see as very harsh penalties. So um, in, in general, if, if clubs are prepared to take direct action and, and this kind of thing in the bud, I suppose that's a good thing. Yeah. Is it any different, though, Graham, from a bunch of players getting on the town and, and hitting the booze really hard, what these guys are doing? Well, no, that's not desirable behaviour either. Um, what we do know, though, is that the, what seems to be the, the kind of mixture that they're using uh, is potentially, um, in, in the worst case, lethal, but certainly uh, the medical side effects seem to be very concerning. Graham Steele talking to Guy and Espiner. So to matters on the field and the Melbourne Storm prop, Jesse Bromwich was named skipper of the Kiwis for the first time for the one-off test against Australia in Newcastle. Checkpoint's John Campbell asked him about taking over the reins. Yeah, it's definitely one of the proudest of my career and, uh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, like you said, it's definitely a big occasion for myself and my family too. Tell me about how you found out you were captain and what you did. Did you give your family a call? Um, I found out on Wednesday night um, and I told my partner and straight away she started crying. So it's a bit emotional in my house at home and yeah, something that we really cherish. But after that, I rang my rang my dad, told him not to tell anyone. Next minute, I had the whole family texting me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I'm telling him any more secrets. <laughs> Although he's proud, right? Because he's a hard yeah. out leaguey, your dad, isn't he? And so this is a big thing for you guys, isn't it? Yeah, he's been a massive leaguey all his life. And, you know, for I think he was just that happy and proud for me. And... You just had to go and tell everyone, I guess. <laughs> who did you look up to when you were a kid? When you were a little guy, who did you want to be? Um, I was a, when I was a kid, I was a massive Warriors supporter, being born and bred in Manurewa. So I guess guys like Stacey Jones and even Ruben Wiki, guys like that, you know, I love Ali, big Ali Lautiri. I used to love watching him play as well. You know, they all played for the Kiwis, and so now, of course, there's a generation of kids who feel the same way about you, which is kind of wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, when you put it like that, it, it is, but, you know, it's something I haven't really thought of yet. I've been, I guess, busy this week and hasn't really sunk in too much at the moment. It's hard, it's hard to beat the Aussies. I mean, you, you, you know, it's a tough, tough, tough encounter. And you guys are without some players that you might have expected to have. What are you going to say to the boys before the game? What, what's your role as captain? What will you tell them? Um, yeah, it, is, it is tough. Firstly, it is tough to beat the Australians. But, um, you know, we don't, we don't think about that. For me, I'll be, I guess, just telling the boys to... Uh, I guess to protect what uh, the coach Stephen Kearney and the coaching staff and all the other players have built over the last two years. So for me, it's about us going out there and protecting what they've built over the last few years and the culture they've brought in and I guess getting that message across for the boys and what they'll be doing to help protect that. Jesse, you play a lot of rugby league and you, and you play for the Storm. You know, and boy, not long ago you dealt to the Warriors by 42 points. How does it feel yeah. different when you put a Kiwis jersey on? How does that change what's going on in your heart, for example? 
Oh, I guess, firstly, you're playing for your country, so, you know, that's that's another level of being, I guess, proud, and that's another level on how you have to play. So, yeah, I guess straight away, when you put that black and white jumper on, that's different straight away there. You're playing for your country and representing your family, and now representing, I guess, all of New Zealand. So, yeah, it's something that's... I'm really looking forward to, and it's something that makes me proud. And because of the guys who aren't available, you've got a couple of newbies in there, so it's a really exciting occasion for them too, right? Yeah, every time new guys come in, you know, they bring that enthusiasm, and it's no different with the new boys that have come in this year. And, you know, I'm really excited for them. They've been working really hard to get a shot, get a shot at this, you know, having some of the boys ruled out. They've been able to come in and get their shots, so I'm really happy for them and I'm looking forward to seeing them out there Friday night. That's Jesse Bromwich talking to John Campbell, and you're listening to Extra Time. It's been a big week also for the veteran New Zealand equestrian Andrew Nicholson. Just nine months ago, the seven-time Olympian required neck surgery after a fall, which he said afterwards almost cost him his life. This week he entered his first major three-day event, the Badminton Horse Trial in England. However, as the event drew closer, Nicholson decided he wasn't quite ready and withdrew. His horse, Nereo, was fine, but he told me that he felt his fitness for the cross-country in particular was questionable. I've been competing for the last month now, and I, I feel very good each each competition. I've, I've felt more getting back to normal. But the worry I've had is that the competitions I've been doing is sort of seven minutes and you're at the finish and each time when I've finished I've felt like I'm quite needing a little break and you know it's gotten better as I've gone along but it's badminton is is getting on to 12 minutes not seven minutes and on Sunday I rode four different horses around an advanced course, which is the same sort of standard as badminton, but it's only seven minutes and you're at the finish line. And I don't feel I could be as effective in the last three minutes of the course as what I need to be. I would would possibly have to slow down and risk maybe getting 10 time penalties, which isn't what we want you know I want to go there feeling I can be very competitive and do a very good job and I just spoke with Nereo's owner Libby Seller who thoroughly understands the whole situation and thinks it's a good idea we we wait and target some of the other bigger events and give myself a bit longer. Uh, So I mean badminton is such a big event you have to be have the horse and and yourself at peak condition. Yeah, I, I don't want to go there just to make the numbers up. You know, I've done that a lot of years. It's, I've got a, a good horse. He's been around the course a lot of times and knows his job very well. But I do know that between seven minutes and 11 minutes is a very tough time for the horse. They're starting to get tired themselves. And normally that's where I would come into play with them to pick them up a little bit be the alert bit and all that. And I I just feel I don't think I'm up to speed yet. 
I feel like it, a month's time and I'll be all right. But at the moment, I don't think I could do the job properly. Personally, do you have to spend more time on the horse or is it a gym thing, uh, you know, to get back to where you want no, to go? The, the gym won't, won't do it. It's okay. If we put it in basic terms, so my neck, my problem was in my neck. I've got a plate in my neck which is fixed so I've lost two of my main flexing points in my neck which are the flexing points I would have used to ride in the position you want to go cross country in. So I'm having to use new flexion points which sounds very simple but it's that fatigue that I can feel starting to set in when I get to the finish of seven minutes. And all I need is 30 seconds to flex myself a little bit to feel fine again. But you can't afford those 30 seconds at a place like Badminton. You get time penalties, and that's not what I'm wanting when we spoke earlier, you mentioned uh, things like the Olympics were not really your main focus. Um, but long term, um, are you feeling sort of uh, you want to achieve something this season, um, perhaps with what's at the end of the year? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think what I've achieved so far this season is probably more than what most of them. I've done better than some of your Olympic hopefuls. Yeah, so they they got the horses are going well, and I'm doing the job well. It's just I don't feel like ready to be up to speed at the likes of Badminton at the moment. Andrew Nicholson, this is extra time. New Zealand's top rowers head overseas over the coming weeks, some to prepare for the Rio Olympics, while others are still hoping to qualify. Nine boats have been selected for the games, while another five are heading to the last-chance Olympic qualifying regatta in Switzerland later this month. Mahi Drysdale could well be heading to his last Olympics. The 37-year-old is the defending Olympic single skulls champion. He spoke to our reporter Andrew McRae this week at Lake Karapiro as he prepares for regattas in Europe ahead of the Games. About uh, three months out, comparing back to uh, 2012, are you in the same sort of position? You're feeling sort of really good? Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, very, very similar, to be honest. Um, you know, things are, things are going really well in, in training. Um, obviously, I'm a little bit older, so recovery and stuff takes a little bit longer. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm still able to, to produce the, the races and, um, you know, the, the training that I need to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm very much on track and um, feeling quite excited that, you know, it's only 100 days left, um, you know, and, and you've got to make the most of them. There was a slight hiccup with the training regime with your coach that was sorted. Did that make any difference? Um, not really. Um, at the time, yes. Um, you know, that, that month or so of, I, I guess, um, you know, emotional and mental um, it was, was quite tough, just not knowing exactly, you know, where you're going and, and who's going to coach you and stuff. But as soon as that decision was made, you know, then it's back to, back to normal and, um, you know, I don't think physically we lost anything. We're still training. Um, I guess there's just a few distractions uh, away from, from training. So, you know, it was very nice to get that sorted and, and since, since that's happened, um, it's been very much business as usual, which is exactly what we wanted. Is Dick happy with your progress and where you are at the moment? Yeah, yeah, he, um, you know, 
know, we, we just had a racing weekend this this last weekend. He's he's very pleased with with how things are going, and um, you know, I think we're we're very much on track. Got the uh, World Cup re- uh, rowing regattas coming up. Um, what's your aim there? Um, yeah, I, I guess you know you're you're very much feeling out your competition. Um, you know, for me. I'll always go and, and race to, to my fullest um, because you know that's that's how I prepare. Um, I get a lot of confidence, um, you know, from being consistent. Um, what I would like out of those is to either be in front um, and winning, <laughs> that would be the, the ultimate goal. Um, but um, if I'm not, uh, to not be too far behind. You know, you, you only want you know one or two seconds that you have to make up so you know that's that's really the the ultimate goal and um, you know then we'll we'll assess from there with with how we sit um, obviously Rio is is the big goal so you know it's um, that's where we're we're aiming for and and um, you know if if someone's uh, beats me at the World Cups it's not the end of the world but um you know the, the intention is certainly to go and win is, is if I can there's no sort of question of holding a little back. No, you don't hold back. You race as fast as you can. Obviously, you're not going to be in in your best form um, because your best form's in Rio, and you know you're you're sort of on a mm. on an upward um, scale. So you just hit it at a time, and you race as hard as you can at that time, and um, and and you you certainly are aware that. Um, you know, there's a bit of upside, and, and that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm racing well. Um, I'm not going as fast as I possibly can do, um, but at this time of year, you, that's not where you want to be. I'm, I'm sort of on that trajectory, and, and um, you just want to stay on that all the way through to the, the games without starting to go down. And they're training out there with um, uh, Eve and Zoe, sort of egging you on and you egging them on. That is that working? Oh, it's working? yeah, it's, it's been very good. Um, you know, they're an amazing double and. Um, you know that they have the opportunity to, to um, you know, be be one of the most successful doubles New Zealand's ever produced, and you know that's saying quite a bit with with what's come before them. So, you know, it's it's been awesome having them as as my training partners. It certainly pushes me, and hopefully I'll push them. And um, you know that that um, you know has has certainly made this this four year cycle uh, you know that much more enjoyable. Seeing these these young young girls, you know, sort of step up and. Um, you know, on their day, they they smash me. So, you know, that's that's great to have that that competition. Do you think rowers get better with age? Um, yes, they do uh, to a point. Um, I guess that's that's where I'm at at the moment. Is um, you know the 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 improvements are very small now. Um, and you know, I'm probably getting to the point where where you're starting to, you know, the recovery starts to become more of an issue. Um, so you know, you you've got to find uh, other ways. So yeah, I'm I'm getting, I guess, to, towards the end of my career. Um, but you know, for for the, that's that's the exciting thing about, for example, even Zoe is, you know, they're still pretty young in in rowing terms, um, and they're they're incredibly good now. So um, you know, they could they could. Be you know, amazing. Uh, give them another another Olympic cycle. It's Mahi Drysdale, someone that's not confirmed just yet is BMX rider Sarah Walker. She's attempting to get her Rio campaign back on track following a two-month layoff for a broken arm. The 27-year-old has had a turbulent period in the lead-up to the games with a series of injuries over the past 18 months. But following her first full training session in New Zealand just last week. The London Olympic silver medalist is now in Holland for a World Cup event this weekend. It'll be her first official race since fracturing her arm. From there, she'll head to Florida before the World Championships in Colombia later this month, her last shot at qualifying for the Games. But as Matt Chatterton found out, Walker has been in this situation before and doesn't worry about the pressure. My coach 
confidence will be priority. Um, there's a World Cup in six days in Holland, um, which I'll be working on uh, every day, trying to get prepared for that. And if I'm ready, then I race, and if I'm not, then I won't. Um, so pretty straightforward. But yeah, priority will be relaxing onto my bike, um, getting confident, uh, because if I do that, then I ride better, um, I perform better, and if I do all that, then it will make qualifying pretty straightforward. So that would be ideal. <laughs> Technically, do you think you're, um, you haven't sort of suffered too much and physically uh, with uh, the injury, or is it mainly just that confidence that needs to be sort of boosted? I think with my performance uh, riding my bike, my arm uh, has held me back a little bit in terms of technical skill, um, just because of the weakness there. Um, but every day it's getting stronger, and to be able to do some jumps today at the North Harbour track and to feel that little bit more comfortable on my bike just before I head off has been absolutely valuable. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll make the decision on race day probably in Holland whether I ride or not, and um, I'll be comfortable with the decision I make. Um, and yeah, head through to World Champs and qualify for real and then come back home and keep training. Um, you're obviously no stranger to injuries. Um, do you do you get any anxiety going back into racing again after coming back from an injury like this? Um, it's hard to tell if I'll be anxious leading into the into the racing. Um, I've done it before where I've come back from a big block um, of just training a big block off and not had a lot of racing and I've been able to perform really well. So I'm confident in my ability to, to do that. Um, if I don't race until World Champs, then I'm confident that I can still perform uh, at the race level because I've been able to do it. I've been doing BMX for 17 years, so I've got some experience to draw on, which is cool. Yeah, um, you've obviously been in this situation before where you, where you qualified at the World Champions Championships in 2012 to get to the London Olympics. So do you feel as though that uh, is sort of puts you in, I suppose, good stead going into the uh, World Champs in Colombia next month? Uh, it's a huge advantage being able to have been in this situation before. Um, yeah, qualifying for, for London was at World Champs, and to be in that situation is actually really stressful, obviously, um, and a lot of mental strength to go through that process and heading into the world champs like our the girls that will be in a similar situation to me haven't been there before so it'll be a huge advantage being having that experience and and it gives me a lot of confidence knowing that I've, I've dealt with that pressure before and it was actually probably the perfect build up to London because there was it's really hard to replicate that kind of pressure at the Olympics bring um, so having a race where I don't you either qualify or you don't, is almost more stressful than the actual Olympics itself. So it makes the Olympics a little bit easier. So, yeah, I'll get to Rio, hopefully, and and I'll be as ready as anyone could ever be. BMX rider Sarah Walker talking to Matt Chatterton. And Matt also spoke to our most celebrated golfer, Sir Bob Charles, who this week became an honorary member of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club at St Andrews. Charles was the first left-handed golfer to win a major at the 1963 Open Championship at Royal Lytham in St Anne's. He won nearly 80 titles around the world and was admitted to the World Golf Hall of Fame in 2008. I'm uh, delighted with the, um, uh, the honour which they've bestowed on me. I'm joining some very uh, elite company there and uh, a number of, of them, of course, are my um, contemporaries. Um, in the golf scene, 
And uh, no, no, it's exciting, exciting news. And um, uh, I just hope I can uh, wear the honour well. Do you hope to get over to uh, St Andrews at any point? Well, I, I don't have any immediate plans. Obviously, the the next uh, occasion which I would definitely be there would be for the Open Championship at St Andrews in 2021, which is, uh, what, another five years away now. Um, but uh, in the interim, um, yes, I'd, I'd certainly like to get back there. I've always said that uh, uh, St Andrews is, uh, uh, is my... Uh, my favourite golf course in the world. It's unique. There's nothing else like it. Uh, of course, the um, uh, I've had the freedom of the links uh, for quite a long time, um, which uh, well, that allows me to to play there on on the numerous. I think they've got at last count about seven golf courses at St Andrews. Uh, but of course, the the Royal and Ancient, who uh, they really don't, um, other than. Uh, Staging the uh, the Open Championship, um, it so, just so happens their headquarters is is there, and um, it's a place which I love to get back to. And um, I, I don't know what what doors it opens to me in the Royal and Ancient Clubhouse, but but um, um, I've got a, a lovely tie which they've uh, already sent to me, uh, which um, I think all the the members of the Royal and Ancient wear with pride, and um, it's, it's, uh, I'll certainly be uh, wearing it with pride also. That's a Bob Charles, and that's Extra Time for this week. Follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.